Radio. This is Catholics Read on cradio.org.au. Hello and welcome to this episode of Catholics Read. I'm Luke. And I'm Kiara. And I'm Victoria. And this week we are reading Sir Gwain and the Green Knight, which is a ye old middle English poem, which is epic, epic, poem. and it's long. And well, it's not that long. It's long. It's shorter than Beowulf. You can read it in a day. Could you? Yes, you can read okay. it. You could read our version in the day. You could read our translation in the day. Maybe you couldn't read the original text in a day. Yeah, that'll take a while. Maybe <laughs> maybe back in the day you could read it in a day. But well, Most people couldn't read Luke back in that day. <laughs> yeah, but if you could. If you, could. Right, if you could. It's if to you be could. noted that this poem is meant to be heard. It's not a poem for the eyes. Yes, this is true too. But, I mean, Catholics hear or Catholics listen doesn't quite have a ring to it as a show. No. I mean, maybe maybe no. one day we'll And let's have... face it, we are doing books that were... We are supposed to be doing books that were meant for eyes, not for ears. Yeah, but, you know, that's all right. <laughs> it's a book, so we'll read it. Yes. This is... And, in fact, this is, this is probably the second thing that was meant to be heard rather than read because we did... Um, the Crucible. We did The Crucible. Yeah, Victoria, the crucible. you have a consistency here. Every book you choose is like... Because I like listening to stories. I like being read too. I don't know why. Yeah. Fair okay. enough. It's critical for the development of language, actually, in small children. If you don't read to your kids, your kids won't read. There you go. Oh, there you go. There you go. But you, but you, might, but you must read because otherwise you will um, have trouble spelling, which is what I have. Because I hear a lot of things and I hear new words and I can't spell them. So read as well. Listen and read. Actually, you know what? Before we get started, we're going to solve the thing from last week. Oh, that's oh, yeah. right. Yeah, All right. Yeah. All right. Let's, I'm going to, I'm going to look for this. And in the meantime, we're going to put on some music or something to, to make it like a montage so that it doesn't take as long. We'll be back in a minute. All right, we're back, and Holla. I don't actually remember what I said, but apparently Victoria tells me that I have to make a public declaration <laughs> that I'm wrong, and, well, I don't know no, if no, Victoria no, was right. No, 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 I said he has right. to make a public declaration that I was right. We don't know that yet. All right, so according <laughs> to Edward Sri on catholiceducation.org... He also wrote that book, Man, Women, and the Mystery he of... He did, oh, he did. I'm he's a, cool, a great... I'm, he's a, a, I'm a big fan of him. He's a great guy. He's bringing out a book on Our Lady... And cool. the wedding at Cana. Maybe it's already out. I don't know. But anyway, it sounded back really on good. track. Okay. The four senses of scripture are the literal sense, the allegorical sense, the moral sense, and the anagogical sense. Mm. Is that what you said? No. Tropological. <laughs> you had tropological. No, it was, it was tropological, analogical, anagogical, and uh, the historical literal one. I don't know. We should just mystery, cut out all the mis- of this, the okay? Mystery, the mis- no, no, no. We're keeping this. The oh, mystery gosh. continues, but according to catholiceducation.org, which is quoting the Catechism of the Catholic Church, literal, allegorical, moral, and anagogical. What the hell all does right. tropological mean? Maybe I it's another word for the, the moral. Maybe. 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 Uh, anyway, I don't know. If someone is listening to this and knows, can you, like, email... No, I'll just give one of my lecturers a call. The ones that told me, it'll be like, 
explain yourself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yes. Um, Sir Gawain. Or Gwain. I don't know. Sir, Sir Gawain, Gawain and the Gwain. Green Knight. See, the one that I was reading, like, in order for it to fit the meter, you'd have to pronounce it Gawain. Interesting. It was two, two syllables. Anyway, Victoria, what, what's it about? Okay. So, this is a text um, possibly written between... The earliest it could have been written is uh, 1350, and the absolute latest is, is 1400. Um, but people usually attribute it to about 1370, 1380. And um, it was found... There's only one copy of it. Not one copy, one... Original copy. One original, original copy, text. and it's called the, the Cotton Manuscript because um, it was found... Um, Hang on. In the collection of Sir Robert Cotton. Right. And it is a story about Sir Gawain, who is one of the Knights of Arthur's Round Table. And um, they're all having a lovely... Um, feast. Feast on New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. And Arthur, um, in the true spirit of most Arthurian legends beforehand... Uh, actually, most of them were in French beforehand. So this mysterious author um, obviously had knowledge of French, which is kind of cool. Well, most um, people in England would have been... Most educated people in, Fr- in well, England would have known French at the time. Well, so. we now know that the author was not a, you know, illiterate person. No. Well, he... <laughs> yeah. I don't know. He, he wrote a poem, so... <laughs> but you know, you know what I mean. He, he had good knowledge of French and the classics and those sort of things. Um, more on the author later, because that's a very interesting story on its own. Um, and in true uh, Arthurian legend uh, tradition, Arthur says, I will not eat until um, uh, someone tells me a good story. And funnily cool story, enough... story, bro. <laughs> it was a cool story, bro context. <laughs> cool. And funnily enough, this ginormous guy rides into the hall. Um, and With an interesting colour. He's green. He's green. And Actually, you know, I, I, have needs to, to talk I, have to, I have to say this because, first of all, the first thing is... It takes a really long time to describe that this guy is green. Like, they go into every detail, every detail. This about man how he's a... green and he's got gold, it's golden woven everything. He's got green hair, he's got a green horse, he's got green armour. Green all over, the man in his garments as well. A surcoat snugged him tight at the waist and over that a tunic closely trimmed inside. Blah, 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah. And it's green. all green. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean... I thought, All you know what? With the greenish glow of jewels. This morning, our time, Australia sadly lost to Spain in the World Cup, which meant we lost every single game. Which I think personally, you know, when Timmy Cahill retires uh, from the striker, which will probably be the next World Cup, I reckon this guy should be our next striker because he's just so Australian. <laughs> he's green and he's gold and, and he's, he's like, big. he's big. And, and he's clearly really good at sports. Therefore. Yeah, I mean, we'll see why in a second. <laughs> and um, anyway, he just, like, comes into the comes into the Grand Hall and is like, um, you know, I'm a massive fan of uh, sports. Um, not sports, he says something else. Just, like, just, well, like, nightly sports. Nightly so jousting, sports Jousting, sword fighting, stuff. archery, the like. And he's like, um, yeah, so I want someone to kind of, oh, if someone's brave enough, step forward and play this game with me. And the funny thing is everyone's silent. Um, one out of politeness because um, they believe Arthur is the bravest, so he should speak, but also because they're scared. And so Arthur's sort of looking down the table like, 
well, you're all useless and gets up and is like, okay, I'll, I'll play with you. And the guy's like, cool, okay, so um, I'm going to chop off your head and then any, no. You're going to, no, you're going you're to going chop to off my head. my head. And um, in a year, you, uh, you'll let me day. chop off your head. And Arthur's looking around like, well, this is silly. He, I think he says something along the lines of, your request is silly, sir. <laughs> yes. And anyway, and um, so Gwen gets up and he's like, sir, this is too silly for you. Let me do this. And so he gets up and he has this noble little speech and then he chops off the guy's head. And strangely enough, uh, the, the green knight picks up his own head by the hair and gets back on his horse. He's and like, then, I'll see you in a year. And he's like, see you in a year, man. And then um, everyone's like, oh, okay. And uh, by the way, just for added gory detail, there is green blood spurting everywhere at this point as well. Yeah, there is was... lots of great detail yeah. about this. About the blood and the decapitation. Yeah. Oh, it was great. Yeah, it's... This is not a PG-13 poll of children. <laughs> no, <laughs> Definitely no. not for many reasons, actually. <laughs> yeah. And um, anyway, and so he's like, see you in a year. Okay, so skip forward to a year and um, Christmas Eve, Gwen sets out because he's like, I should give myself like... You should probably make this very quick. Yeah, yes. sorry, okay. Yeah. Um... <laughs> He rides off Gets to, to go castle. find the green chapel where the green knight lives. Yes, yes. And um, then he's like, wow, it's Christmas Eve. I should get to Mass because I need to go to Mass because he's a good Catholic. And um, he finds a castle and um, the lord of the castle is very gracious and receives him. And is like, oh, um, the green cap- chapel's like five minutes up the road, man. So why don't you stay for a while? I'll go hunting. And you sleep in, but also let's have a game. Whatever I whatever I win in the day and whatever you win in the day, we'll swap at the end of the day. And so he goes hunting, wins something every day, um, brings him back like boars deers and, and boars and foxes. And in the course of the day, Sir Gwen, who is very charming and gets along with the ladies, the Lord's wife comes into his bedchamber every morning. It's <laughs> a and, bit weird. Really. And flirts with him. And... Um, they kiss a few times, and so at the end of the day, the Lord's like, here's this deer, and Gwen's like, oh, here's this kiss that I received, because that's all I received during the day. And so this happens thrice, and um, then they're... On oh. the third day. And then on the third day, the, um, the wife gets extremely flirty and gives him this girdle. Um, it's a belt, by the way, yeah. not underwear, people. It's yeah. a belt. Get your mind out of the gutters. <laughs> and it's like, this will save your life. Um, take it as a, as token. a token. And um, he, at first, he refuses it because he's like, well, this is the Lord's well, She tries wife. to give him a ring first, but anyway. Oh, she gets, gosh. She gets a belt. She's very persistent. <laughs> and um, so in the end, he actually takes it because he's, he's scared. Um, and so he rides off to the chapel. And finds um, the Green Knight, uh, who reveals himself to be. Um, wait, no, wait, 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 hang on, wait, wait. First, firstly, he takes a chop at his head. Firstly, he takes a, actually he takes three. It's very important. Mm. He takes three goes, I suppose. Um, and in the last one, sort of like scrapes his neck, and then is like, "Surprise! I'm the Lord from the castle, and I wanted to teach you a lesson." Um, and that's really where it ends. Okay, I suppose. Well, and Gwen, Gwen way, goes back to the castle crestfallen. Ex- explaining what exactly that lesson was. <laughs> he was testing his virtue. That's yeah, what he so was like testing. First... And he proved himself worthy. Damn so it. Something, something, that we, something that we missed there was that he didn't declare to the Lord on the oh, third my day bad, sorry. that he got that life-saving girdle. Yes, my bad. He sorry. kept talking about the wife's kisses and returned those, but didn't give him the girdle. And so that was why he received the scrape at the end, because of his minor infringement on the game. Yeah. Um, but the other two times they took the swing and then didn't go through with it. Yeah. The were fa- because he played along fairly with the game. Mm. Um, and kissed the Lord. 
with I'm assuming the same kind of interested. I'm presuming. I'm presuming. I don't know what, my, what anyone's it's, translation it's a said of kiss, but I just interpreted kiss as being like you know a peck on no, the no, cheek. No, 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 no. Because because like, in one of them, in one of them, it says she kisses his mouth. Oh, it's specific. yeah, yeah. yeah. Specific. I can find it. Um. So yeah, it's it's interesting. Okay, there you go. Well, I mean, you know, he's a man of his word, and his wife seems to be very comfortable with the idea of kissing men that aren't her husband. Anyway, <laughs> so looking at this, um, what, what do we want to talk about? I, I've kind of well, lost what I wanted to say. Yeah, it's very overtly. Uh, there's religious imagery everywhere. Um, I like this story because uh, I was saying to Luke and Kiara beforehand. People are very open about um, the religion that they they believe in, their faith, and its effect on the everyday life. So when people part ways, they commend each other to Christ. Um, They continually say they'll pray for each other. Um, They invoke the help of the saints all the time. And I just think that's, you know, a lovely little world. Praise to Our Lady and then finds a castle. Our Lady, she's just very very much revered in this text. Yeah, it's so... How awesome is that bit? Where it's like describing his shield, so he gets yeah, that's shield, pretty like cool. he gets you know. Yeah, before he goes on his up. journey, he gets all this wonderful. And there's an incredible description. Armor, yes, again as long another as epic the, description. As long as the Green Knight thing um, about his shield, or about his armor, but specifically about his shield, and that is really amazing because it talks about like he's got the the pentangle. The well, star we can thing. yeah, the pentangle, which is um, the. Five pointed star. Five pointed star, but it's um. It has so many different. There, okay, so there are five points, which means that there are five aspects to this code that he lives by. So at first, there are, there is no fault with his five senses. Secondly, um, his five fingers have never failed him. Thirdly, he greatly reveres and adores the five wounds of our Lord. Um, where are the other two? Oh, there are the five joys of Our Lady. And then the last one are the more, I suppose, secular virtues, but that he definitely lives by as well, which are generosity, good fellowship, cleanness, courtesy, and compassion. Big deal in the Middle Ages. Cleanliness. Big Mm. deal. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Um, And And in the middle of the star... Is Our Lady. Is Our Lady. Oh, that's so cool. And and it's it's really interesting, too, because I suppose the symbol symbol of the pentagram has been, well, I suppose a little bit corrupted, but I Mm. laugh every time I see someone who thinks they're really hardcore with the big pentagram or whatever, and I'm like going, oh, I didn't know you were a Christian. (laughs) And they're like... I'm not. <laughs> well, it's like, like the same people with people with St. Peter's Cross. St. Peter's yeah, Cross and I'm looking thing, at yeah. him going, like, you realise you've got the wrong pentagram on there. you know, you got the wrong pentangle on there. Like, five-pointed stars are simple for Satan. I'm like, no, that's the wrong yeah. one. That's actually Our Lady. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh. Yeah, just yeah. Right, right on their parade. Our, it's great yeah. fun. Our Lady is not only the, the uh, symbol of uh, virtue and the height of, height of uh, Christian, how Christians should live their lives, but she's... She also features in this book as the protector of chastity. So there's this bit, and quite uh, just as a um, coincidence, it comes in with the bit I want to find about explicitly saying that she kissed him on the mouth. I will read this. So the lady approaches the bed, laughs pertly, leans over and lightly kisses his lips. There you go. There's the um, thing. And he greets her warmly in a most grateful manner. He saw she looked lovely in her rich robes, her features flawless and her color so fine. It warmed his blood and a great blessedness welled up in him. They smiled shyly, prattled on merrily, and all was bliss between them, all joy and light. Their speech was calm and clear, and everything stood right, yet danger was awaiting near should Mary neglect her night. Mm. So, how cute is that? 
Mm-hmm. And it's just basically talking about how, um, yeah, they're, they're messing with fire and they could seriously get burned. I think they already are burned, in my opinion, but they're still saying this is innocent and um, that Mary should, um, not should, but he should really invoke Mary in this case because she's most definitely praying for him. Just thought I'd put it out That's there. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I love I love the, um, the, the imagery there because it shows like how how the Catholic faith is such a big part of this culture that it's just it just goes along with the tale. Um, and I think an important point about it as well is how this man really is um, something that we talk about a lot on this show, I think, is a model of virtue. And you can see how this book um, is really... It's not just a piece of entertainment. It's a piece of education um, that a person would hear this play and think, okay, what does it mean to be a man? Specifically for men. What does it mean to be a man? To be a man is to be like Sir Gawain. You know, it's to be a man who um, not only who not only practices his faith um, by going to mass and vespers, but also a man of virtue um, and a man of chivalry. And, you know, he gets confronted by these situations and he, you know, he's brave in the face of these situations. And I think it's fantastic to see um, a truly heroic man um, and I think that something I wanted to bring up because it occurred to me while reading this book, reading this poem, was that it's kind of coming back, I think, in our society, um, specifically with things like superheroes, right? Mm. Superheroes, like things like the Marvel comics, uh, the films, rather, of the Marvel comics and Batman and that. While some of them have flaws, for the most part, they are very, um, for want of a better word, conservative f- heroic figures, Perfect one that I think of is Captain America. Captain America. Captain America. Like, I went and saw earlier this year the new Captain America film. This guy is like, there's not a speck on this guy. You know, he's a very virtuous man, Um, which is very rare to find in films these days because you do find that a lot of films, especially kids' films, troublingly, um, male characters are either evil or stupid or sinful, but usually not in kids' films, of course. Um, young men and young boys don't really often have someone to look up to. And, you know, in this society where tragically you do have a lot of fathers who are just off the scene for whatever reason, it's been that way for a while for different reasons, you know, it is good to see um, in films these days heroic men that young men can look up to. And you can see that evidently in the Middle Ages they saw it as important to teach young men how to be men as well. And I suppose, I mean, ultimately you've got to remember too, like this is the dawning of the romantic period in medieval mm. literature as well. Like there's there's romance infused throughout all of this. Like Sir Gawain is well noted for his charm and for his politeness and for his his way with the ladies, shall we say. And mm. But it was never, it, but it, this is the interesting thing, it is not necessarily sexual at all. As and, it is in the French. The cool thing about this author is he went a totally different way and made him very cur- like courteous and um, chaste. Yeah, because of like course the there French. are other versions of maybe not this specific story, but there's yeah. plenty in Arth- you know Arthurian literature. I'm intrigued. What? So what's what's Sir Gawain in other in other ones in pre in stories that predate this in the French he like has affairs with people and stuff like that, which is really interesting because the one was Lancelot. It uh, the, one the two the two characters sometimes uh, get mixed together. Get mixed together, or um, no, so it's Sir Gawain. 
Um, oh, so Gwen is the bad boy. Who? No, well, okay. Um, and, and we and you know what? We can see that in um, the BBC's Merlin. I mean, first. Oh, that is hilarious. First, first episode with Sir Gwen. He's uh, charming the socks off um, Guinevere with with that little flower thing. Um, but what I'm saying is that this author um, chose to go a different way, uh, which I find really interesting. Mind you, though, Mallory was. A lot later. So, by the way, just for yeah. background, Thomas Mallory is the other great biographer, medieval biographer of uh, King of the uh, you know Arthurian legend, and that's where most of the modern sort of stories come from. Yeah. They come from that particular text, not this one. Um, so, Thomas Mallory was about ooh, eighty to one hundred, eighty to almost almost a century later yeah. than this text. So, this is like you know the. 13, the twelve the twelve fifties to the thirteen hundreds are like the height of the Romantic period, the troubadours in. Um, you know, in medieval Europe, in France and in England and in Italy, and there's this the whole concept of courtly love, and it's it is not sexual. That is the critical thing about this. It is not sexual. It is yeah. But you you know you had you there were well known noble ladies who were married to someone else, but would have a lover per se in a completely chaste way. Like there's a story of some knight cutting off a finger to and sending it to his and sending it to his lady love because just to prove to her how much he you know how much he would Whoa. sacrifice for her. like it's ridiculous you know it's but you know but he would never even kiss her like that was you know it was that kind of you know ch- you know it was it was it was purity in a sense without being puritanical mm. and mm. you know everyone would go oh that's clearly repressive like no it's not actually it's completely free you know these men and women are free to relate to each other as men and women should relate yeah, to each other yeah the, the expression know. the expression of one's love is not a purely sexual thing no and if it is well then that's a problem yes you know? yes that is that is a <laughs> that is a slight problem and um i just love the ro- you know and i just love the way sir gawain just kind of rebuffs the wife a little bit ever so gently in a way you know he's he's quite um prudent or shrewd in a way because he's got two options really he could she's she's a making serious advancements we should put out there and um basically he's like well i don't really want to say um i don't want to insult your husband to start off with because you know this is his house and kind of his bed yeah um (laughs) yeah i don't want to insult you as well because you seem like a nice person i suppose so I don't want to say no outright. So what he does is he rebuffs and he makes wordplay and um, turns her uh, words into uh, more innocent words. So she's like, you know, saying things like, you know, I'm at your service or something like that. And he said, no, I am the servant who will serve you in ways of friendship and courtesy and things like that. Except, except in very, very fancy words too. Yeah, and, I'm and a, paraphrasing and, and, and it a, terribly. And a meter too. Yeah. Apparently everybody mm. speaks in poems. Yeah. Well, they do in a poem. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's quite it's quite interesting. I think you know the it's, he does really represent. I think a great um, Sir Gawain does represent a great model, um, and I guess a great antithesis really to a lot of the concept conceptualizations of. Um, what it means to... I'm returning back to the what it means to be a man thing. Yeah, what it means to be a man. You know, that sometimes today when you look at films, you look at literature, what it means to be a man um, in our contemporary times can sometimes be, well, what it means to be a man is to be, you know, James Bond, you know, hit the hit the bar, find a lady, take her home for the night. Wear a tux, shoot some guns. Yeah, like, some you know... Up. Cause an international incident. 
And, I mean, you know, James Bond has some certain, you know, good features to him, but he also has some certain absolutely terrible features to him. For example, as Kiara was speaking about, you know, just the complete unchasteness of the whole thing. And people look at people like him or Barney Stinson or someone like that and go, you know, what makes him a man? What makes him a great guy is the way he's able to seduce women. And you know what? This guy is also able to seduce women. But he chooses not to. But he doesn't. You know, he's charming. He's got good character. He's not, you know, a slave to his passions. You know, he's got that ability there, but he's not a slave to it. He uses it for good. And he's not... But also, most pointedly, he's not a prude. Mm. He's not a prude because he's in control of his own desires. He actually doesn't want to sleep with this woman, but she keeps coming on to him. And And may may I just (laughs) add... This is just a historical note. Um, there's a section where it's the first time she comes into his bedroom and he and people, uh, modern readers glaze will not notice this, but he says, oh, can you just allow me to change into more suitable attire? Um, it's probably not translated properly. He really means let me put on clothes because it was more, it was a hab, not a habit. It was just customary for people to sleep naked. Yeah. yeah. They didn't have so, their clothes. Yeah. PJs. So ev- even more so making this scene such a potential for, I suppose. Potential fire hazard. Potential fire hazard, <laughs> yeah. And even even like that, he's he he chooses um, a better road. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Go Sir Gawain. Yep. Um, all right, but, we'll- you know, and he kind of doesn't say, you know, get out of my bedroom, you foul, you know, there's a gank, great, you know, great, get there's out. A great story. <laughs> yeah. There's a great story, actually. <laughs> From a little bit earlier than that was written about St. Thomas Aquinas. Have you heard this story? Oh, yeah. With the, um, a great story. With the fire stoker. Yeah. yeah. Chases. Chases her out of the... Yeah. Uh, for, the, for the people who have no idea what I'm talking about here, St. Thomas Aquinas, when he was looking to become a Dominican... Um, his family it, didn't want him his to. His family didn't want him to because he was part of a noble family and didn't want him to be part of the Dominicans, I guess. Um, and Dominicans so, were controversial at the time. Okay. Well, so they decide to send in a... Um, a woman, uh, to try and seduce him out of, I guess, taking a vow of... Poverty, obedience and chastity. Yeah. Um, And you know what? He's just like, I'm not dealing with this. So he gets the, the, what is it, the fire poker thing. Yeah, that's hot. And like (laughs) chases her out of the room. And then like, what does he do? Does he make a a sign of the cross on the door or something like that? Yeah, his family had imprisoned him at this point, by the way. So he had nowhere to go. He couldn't jump out the window or anything. And, like, yeah, he makes this big, like, flaming... Well, not flaming, burned cross on his door <laughs> and that. And makes a vow at that point to never have any, um, I guess... Ill thoughts? Ill, yeah, ill sexual desire ever again. And God granted him that. He mm. never did ever again, which is amazing and fascinating. But St. Thomas Aquinas is great. Yeah. St. Francis of Assisi uh, chucked himself into a rose bush one day because of, because of that, that same yeah. reason. Yeah, but, yes, but that, that rose bush then proceeded to drop all its thorns. Yes, and true. it's still there. Is it? Is it truly? I think so. Oh, apparently it is. Apparently I've been there and there is a rose bush. And I'm pretty sure it hasn't got any thorns on it, but I don't know if it's the same oh, one. Oh, that's cool. I mean, it's probably not like the same rose bush, but I imagine rose bushes are reproduced. But anyway, so besides the point. Um, yeah, we're, we're almost out of time. 
So that went Goodness. very quickly. I think I've said that every week now. That went very quickly. But <laughs> yes. this one really did go very quickly. There's so um, much that you could actually talk about in this text. And we haven't even touched on the more technical things like the translation issues and the... Oh, yeah. That sort, you know, all that sort of that's stuff. That's all right. That's which all is, right. you know, which is okay, but just we for talked the... about ta- We talked about Captain America. Yeah, that's know. right. <laughs> uh, that's far more important. But just to note, if you want a very relatively easy read, for heaven's sake, don't pick up a free copy off the internet because no. you will not be able to read it. Hey, it is hey, English. my copy my copy was a free copy of the internet and I could read it. it yeah, compl- but yours... It was completely different to ours. It's no, it very was. interesting. Yes. That's true. Um, but if you just go for the original text, you are, you are going to have a lot of trouble. You, you're in for a headache. You know what? Let's do it right now. I'm going to get an original text. All right. While Luke's doing that, we are going to I'm going to explain to you why it's difficult because this is Middle English. This is the beginnings of the English language, and there is no consistent spelling or grammatical rules at all. It seems. But also, are- these half the words are irrecognizable. Yes. Yes. As uh, modern modern English. Yes, in, there is no translation for half the words. Yeah. And so, you know, Victoria, you've actually done all the reading on the, you know, more technical details. Yeah. Like to fill us in. I, I studied this text um, in university, and basically, the original the original poem uh, ha- is is very dense in alliteration. Every line has a certain consonant that it repeats every single time uh, for that line. So a good uh, example of this is, let me just find this, that section. One of the lines could be, first he clad him in his clothes, the cold for the were. And that's the more one of the more English sounding uh, lines. And it has two uh, wild sounds, those being ones that do not, um, oh no, a wild sound in the grass. <laughs> a wild sound appears. <laughs> um, and that would be the, the part first and um, were and... <laughs> okay, we've got Luke just doing the Pokemon theme music and here. That's the name for the words that don't adhere to this alliteration for that certain line. And so what translators have to do is they have to think, how can I get across this uh, this this uh, beautiful sound um, and the integrity of the text, but put this into a translation? And the, uh, the result that is... modern people can read. And the result is that you can't. So you need to go around it a different way. And the one that... Kiara and I have been reading is the translation by Keith Harrison, which is the one that most universities recommend as far as I'm aware. Um, it's the Oxford World, World Classics version. And what he does is in the end, he says, look, the, the best I can do is to get um, two examples of assonance and two examples of um, repeated consonants and one wild sound per line as a rule, which sounds more like this. It's clear there's no one here but beardless boys. Are the the clear and the here and just by chance the beer in beardless are, is the assonance and the b b beardless boys is the uh, consonants and no one is the wild sound and that's basically how it's translated and you know what it does a really good job of keeping I mean, the textual a, integrity yeah this is this is fabulous because it still maintains the yeah the meat the sense of, the poetic sense of the and the of the in the, the rhythm of yeah the, the epic <laughs> the epicness and its um oral a u r a l um value of it because yes. it's meant to be heard but the thing that ties it all together is this structure called the bob and wheel and um I had an example of that before with the Mary protect her knight. So the bob is one word at the end of this big chunk passage, the end of the passage, but it's one word on a new line. And then it has these four lines, which rhyme a B a B and it, that's called the wheel. And it ties up the whole verse before you start a whole nother one. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's better than punctuation. It works better than punctuation to 
punctuate the story, so to speak. And um, yeah. yeah, and like you can, and you, and when you read it, you really do get a sense of the poetics quite yeah. quickly. And it helps if you're alone or if you've got guts, you can do this on the train too or in public if you like. But just read it out loud to yourself a couple of times just to really get yeah to aid you in understanding how to read. You know how yeah. this should be read, how this should sound. Or like, um, have a listen to this. So. Then ride to the meeting place at midday. Do what you do, must do. Stay until New Year's Day when you can rise and go. We'll set you on your way. It's only a mile or so. That's the wheel winding you up before you start the new um, big long paragraph, which doesn't have a lot of rhyming or anything like that, but that's not the point. It's, it doesn't really need it. It's more yeah. like a story. So yeah, Middle English is like halfway between modern English, halfway between Shakespearean English and Old English, and then with a bit of with a fair bit of French thrown thrown in it. Like this is, um, it's a quite a confusing language. Uh, good, good luck to all the professors out there or the wannabe linguists out there who actually want to study this stuff because it just gives me a headache every time I read it. You think yes. Shakespeare's bad? This ain't nothing on Shakespeare. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just found... You just found it, Luke. I found it. I found it. I actually had to look up a character because I didn't know how to pronounce it. Oh, dear. Um, it wasn't how... It was nowhere near what I expected. Okay. But to give you an example, the first two lines... Oh, I'm going to give this a go. Try and even pronounce it properly. Sithen thesej en there. Esut what's I don't know why I'm pronouncing that like a French, but it just looks like it. Oh, I don't know how to pronounce that. The boss <laughs> pretend and Brent to Brondes Asquez. The took that there, that there, Tramers of Trusen Thur Wost. What's trade in his chair? The truest on Ether. Okay. I, I speak now, English. I have no idea what that says. That's because it's not English. Keith Harrison translate that, translates that as, after the battle and the attack were over at Troy, the town beaten down to smoking brands and ashes. That man enmeshed in the nets of treachery, the truest of men was tried for treason. I can, I can see that. I can see that. So, like, that last line, the truth was, what's, tra- what's tried for his treachery, the truest on Ether. Kind of sound British. <laughs> I'm, I'm kinda... I don't know what you sound like, but it's like somewhere. It, it literally is. It sounds like smashed German and French. Yeah. If you smash German and French together, you get that. Well, there you go. I don't know. If English you, I mean, is great. Yeah, yeah. This is this is the, this is where English comes from, people. This is why you should read this. Mm, it's good fun. <laughs> well, read read this version. Read, read, read the Keith Harrison version. So you actually know what it's saying. Yeah, read the Keith Harrison version instead of making th- 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 sounds yeah, all the time. Has... I had to. It was that character. It's called a thorn. And it's, uh... like, it's like a B with an extra... It's like a P and a B stuck together. Yeah, that's from the old That's from old English, the yeah. um, Anglo-Saxon Germanic origins. It's good. There you go. We should bring it back. Bring back <laughs> the random characters. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. No, English has enough irregular things in there without Luke making silly suggestions like that. <laughs> all right. Well, um, that's all we've got time for. Next week, next fortnight, we will be reading. I don't know. What are we going to read? We didn't even discuss this. No, um, we didn't. We didn't. We're too excited about Sir Gwaine. Um, what about if we read that thing that I was talking about? What thing were you talking about? I was talking about... Enthusiasm. The no, no, we'll read that one time. Okay. The the ones who walked away from Omelas. What? It's it's a 
it's a short story. Okay, that's by good. Ursula like Le Guin. Um, French? Is it free? It's English. It's well, free. It's, it's on yeah. the internet, and it's seven pages. Okay. Um, that's not really and a it's story. The ones who walk away from Omelas. Yeah, 1973 short story by Ursula K. Le Guin. It is a philosophical parable with a sparse plot, featuring bare and abstract descriptions of characters. The city of Omelas is the primary focus of the narrative. Thanks, Wikipedia. Um, yeah. What if it's wrong? <laughs> what if I've been what? severely doubting yeah, Wikipedia what if it's not? This, this what if it's not? What if it's a fascinating story from the perspective of a dog who's going to eat his breakfast? <laughs> like, it could be completely off. We don't know. It's Wikipedia. <laughs> and with that, we shall say goodbye and see you next time with the ones who walk away from Omelas. Bye. Bye. Adieu. See then. <laughs> that was an episode of Catholics Free from cradio.org.au.